Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into Car Radio. You're on 910 AM, the Superstation. I'm Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News, joined by uh, my good friend Tom McDonald. We are live out here at M1 Concourse for the second annual American Speed Festival. Fantastic weekend uh, out here. Uh, hope you got plans to come out here this weekend, either today to see the cars live on track uh, or tomorrow, uh, which is a more static uh, concourse day, but all kinds of eye candy out here. Uh, the Cobra is the uh, Shelby Cobra is the is the, uh, the featured mark uh, celebrating Kel- Carol Shelby's great cars over the years. We're also uh, got a great group of Indy cars out here as well as celebrating the 70th anniversary of Ferraris. And uh, we're joined now at the top of the hour by uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Dave Nicholas. Uh, I wouldn't be here without Dave Nicholas. Dave Nicholas. Uh, Takes care of a couple of Porsche uh, collectors Porsches I have a 904 and a 906. I brought the 906 out here uh, uh, this weekend and, uh, and and racing with that, having a good time with it. And Dave has a couple cars of his own out here. Uh, a, and and, and I, I want to talk uh, with you about Dave. Welcome uh, with you, Dave. Welcome to the program uh, Thank to you. begin with. Great to have you out here. Um, you and I go way back. Um, and uh, the, the the car I've always uh, associated with you is the March uh, K&M car, uh, originally raced by Bobby Rahal. Actually, Bobby never drove that. He never car. drove it. No. So tell us the history of that car. Get, get, set me straight. That, that it's an '81 March 817. That was Teo Fabi's car uh. that he ran in the championship and came second in. He had this car for the first half of the year when he was at uh, Road America. He went off at the kink and put it through a set of trees and destroyed it. Holy cow. And then brought out the backup car and used that for the second half of the uh, season. And apparently he only lost the championship by one or two points. If he would have brought the backup car out and started the race at Elkhart, he was he was medically declared not to race. Yeah. And if he would have just taken the green flag, driven one lap and parked it, he would have won the championship. <laughs> That's quite a story. But... Uh, Bobby Rahal being a local guy and Teo being over in France or wherever he's, Italy, wherever he's at, uh, Bobby's always like, you know, hey, man, nobody knows who Teo Fabi is. And I drove the other car. Just put my name on that. And you did. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> Bobby's one of those guys. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good story. And uh, and, and uh, Newman Racing is also on the car. Was, was uh... Yeah, Paul Newman owned it. They had three of them built. They took the third, the car that... Uh, it began with Alan or Sr. was hired on the team to run with Teo, and he made it about halfway through the season. They didn't see eye-to-eye, so they fired him, and they brought in Bobby Rahal. And Bobby got the next place behind Teo, Bobby, in every race that they ran after that. Wow. Who won the series that year? Uh, Jeff Brabham. Driving? Driving the Count's car. That Count, uh, it was a... Uh, 
uh, I think it was Alola, uh-huh. but it was that Count Van Stratton that was pumping all the money into the into the racing series. Did Paul Newman actually drive that car? Paul never drove that car. Never did, but uh, but he was on the team. He he owned the team, and so I met him right after I restored that car, and uh, he was on a test down at Savannah, Georgia, at Roebling Road. Yeah, testing right. testing for the 24 hours of Daytona in the Mustang Trans Am car that he shared with Brockman and I forget the third guy that drove. And I went in there and said, "Hey, I got your car." He's like, "Bring it in, get it out." And then I showed him I used to have years ago. I had the car, the Crossallos McKee Can Am car that Paul drove in the movie Winning, and he had never driven a race car. He does a movie with. But isn't that the movie that got him hooked on yes. on racing? The, yes, the movie, I've heard that story. The movie winning. He shot a shot a film as Frank Capaccio, and a, a famous race car driver. His wife Joanne Woodward was in it. Uh, Robert Robert Wagner, James Garner, uh, John Boy Walton. And when he finished the movie, he said, "That's it. I'm going racing." No matter what it takes, I want to be a race car driver at 40-some years old. Yeah, and, yeah. He was, and he was pretty good at it. He was great at it. Yeah, and, of course, he uh, his home track was Lime Rock, I believe. Yep, Lime Rock. Lived right up the road. Yep. And uh, that, by the way, Henry, have you ever driven Lime Rock? I have. It's a wonderful track. It's my one of my favorite tracks. There's too 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 many New Yorkers uh, have moved up around it, and it's uh, these days you can't race on Sundays. So That's true. It's a really difficult track to go race these days. Yeah, they've always had a problem up there with noise. <laughs> noise in churches. Yes. <laughs> so, Dave, uh, tell us how how you uh, uh, how, how did you come to acquire this march? Well, I was running the Crowsail Wolves Can-Am car with a partner, and he finally decided that, you know, it's time to time to sell it. So either you got to buy me out or we'll sell it and I'll give you some money. we got to come up with something. And then I ran, you know, I always knew Bud Bennett, and they helped us run that car. And finally Bud one day says, so now what are you going to do, you know? you got to come up with something. And I'm like, so what, what are you thinking? He says, go upstairs. Up in the mezzanine there, there's a box. Open that box up and pull that tub out and sit in it. Tell me what you think. <laughs> I pulled it out, sat in it. I was like, wow, what is it? He says, come on down here. Here's the sister car. Bud had went over to, to Sears Point. I guess these cars sat for 10 years over at Sears Point in a garage. <laughs> and Bud bought uh, the other 817, all the spare parts, everything they had, plus the tub that was damaged that got repaired and was never put back together. And he's like, I'll, I'll help you any way I can, any material I have, anything you need, come to me and let's put together, let's put the other car back together. And this, this was a car that had gone into the trees yes. in Road America. Yeah, it was fairly well destroyed. It took us, uh, I, had a, I had a part-time machinist working with me from General Motors, and he'd come in from 3 to 9 every day. We worked every weekend on it, and uh, I went into work at 6, came home at 11 for a year and a half straight, and we got it together. That's a fantastic story. And so the the uh, the, the uh, I used to race a Porsche 908, which is uh, an evolution of the 906 I have out there this weekend. It was a flat 8-cylinder. Yep. Pretty quick. Not as quick as your march. And I never forget the first time I went out on ahead uh, of races at Mid-Ohio, I qualified on the second row. You were on pole. And and uh, this thing has so much rubber in the rear. Nineteen-inch wide wheels in the back. <laughs> that, 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 uh, that that it was it was almost like uh, being on the track with a drag racer. You 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 would you would 
you would uh, uh, spin, get the get the rear wheels to spin on the warm-up lap just to get heat into them. Yes, heat is your friend. If, if they're <laughs> not hot, they're, you might as well be on ice. <laughs> That's a lot of rubber to warm up. Yes. I had 15 inches on the 908, and you got 19 inches on this thing. I think this morning I ran five laps before they even started to get any grip at all. Yeah. It's real hard to get warm. Uh, so so uh, tell us about the, the, the car. I mean, it's essentially a Formula 5000 car. No, it Big was. Big V8 behind it? It was actually a, a, a March 811 Formula 1 car, huh. uh, which at the time Derek Daly drove one that was a Rothman's car. Wasn't all that competitive. It was a uh, hundred and some pounds heavier than a Williams at the time, and a Williams was the car to own. And uh, but it's all F1 from the engine plate forward, same as the uh, 811. Uh, I think it's got a little bit bigger transmission than what they ran back in the day in F1 cars, and then they put a small block Chevy in it. And what, what, uh, what's the size of the Chevy? 427. Well, it's, <laughs> I did run a 409 in it for a while. Uh, they were supposed to be 305s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the easy combination that sounds good and makes power is a 358 because NASCAR made 358s. You know, the, the, the a generic combination that's easy to dupe. Yeah, and and that's and that's been pretty reliable in the car running that V8 uh, back there. Pre- pretty reliable. The weakness of it has always been the gearbox. Mm-hmm. Make the engine with a little more power, and the gearbox breaks all the time. So I took the four-speed out of it, or it had a five-speed with reverse, and now it's got a four-speed with no reverse because I put one-inch wide gears in it and made a new gearbox inside. Yeah. But it still wears out ring and pinions all the time. And but it sure sounds good. It sounds good. It sounds wonderful. It's one of the best sounding cars here. And yeah. That, and that's half the game of a race car. You got to sound good. You got to look good. You got to sound good. You can what? come in second or third as long as you're looking good and sounding good. Well, I tell you, there's a wonderful sounds out here today. We're looking at it right here, overlooking the track here at M1. They're bringing out some old front engine Indy cars uh, from the 50s. That just look incredible and uh, sound incredible as well. Yeah, yeah, great, great history this uh, IndyCar class had here, uh, uh, and and we'll be joined uh, later in the hour, I believe. We got uh, uh, a, a, a Michael uh, Lashman, who's an expert on uh, vintage IndyCars, so he'll he'll be able to tell us a little bit about these things. Dave, you also have another uh, V8 powered uh, uh, missile out here. It's a Fab car. Yeah, which is a one-off. Tell us about that car. Very unusual uh, car. Dave Clem owned Fab Car, and he was a real genius about fabricating, designing, and built a lot of cars and won a lot of stuff. And he he built twenty, I was told, nine sixty-two Porsches. And when you ran in the IMSA back in the day, if you crashed a car, you wanted to be first in line at his shop to have all your aluminum tubs repaired or anything that needed to be fabricated. And he had... Uh, he did a lot of work for Al Holbert. Yes, he did. And uh, I knew Al, and I knew his father, Bob Holbert, very, very well. But I know they did some work for him. Yeah, his he, did, he, he was yeah. absolutely a wizard. And so in the experience of repairing all these different tubs, the new stuff coming out, the Chevy Spices, Rocker Suspension, all the new stuff that was coming into cars... Uh, he had an idea on doing a car, and he had uh, two gentlemen that came to him and said, we want one like a 962 we want it a little bit shorter we want a v8 in it draw it design it build it we'll pay for it and it was uh chip mead and tim mcadam and i was told that uh tim mcadam's grandmother was gannett broadcasting and chip mead's 
grandparents were mead paper company. Oh, interesting. So, I didn't know that. So you had two kids that had a lot of dough, didn't have to work a lot, had a lot of time to go racing, and so they came up with uh, that fab car, and so they only built one, serial number 001. They did do a one that looks like it for, um, I believe it was owned by, it was either R.J. Reynolds had it, or IMSA had it, and they used it for a show car out front of the events and stuff. Huh. But it was not a race car. It did not have... It was a uh, roller? Um, it, well, it had an engine in it, and it drove, so it made some noise. But it was a tube-frame car. It had five-bolt wheels. It was all stock Porsche parts on it with a small-block Chevy. Tube-frame. Uh, it said right on it, do not drive on a racetrack. <laughs> so how did this fab car do? 19, uh, 1988 season, I believe. It, yeah, it, it did mediocre. They said it was a great car. They didn't have enough time for testing and putting money into it to uh, to evolve it. And uh, then it got crashed in 1990 and burned to the ground. Wow. How, how did that happen? I was told it was uh, a higher-up gentleman at Applebee's because Applebee's sponsored it. And he was driving it. At Summit Point or someplace where they and it was on a Thursday test day, no fire crew, no corner workers. Go run some laps. You're on there all by yourself, and it didn't come back around. And then they said they were standing in the pits and they saw some smoke at the other side of the track, and the guy was standing next to it or away from it with it up in flames. Wow, that's too much car for Summit Point. <laughs> I was just racing Summit Point in a two-liter car, and that's a fantastic. But, uh, yeah, the fab car, it's, uh, what, 800 horsepower this uh, time? Closer to nine. Yeah, good Lord. Yeah. But it got, uh, yeah, it got fairly destroyed. They took the tub back to Dave Clem. He, he, took, he built a brand-new tub for it but never finished it. And then it got involved in a lawsuit with a couple Chevy Intrepids yeah. from, uh, from Milner Racing. Yeah. And they got confiscated, and then it ended up in the back of Auto Week. GTP, I got my Auto Week magazine, which everybody did back in the day, and yeah. said, uh, it's a GTP car for sale project. And uh, I made a call, and it was like, I got to have that. Yeah, that's been. And so between the two, between the March and the uh, Fab car, which one do you prefer? Which one uh, handles better? Totally different cars. Are they really? The Fab car has a ton of downforce, it is faster. It is very hard to drive. The Budweiser car is just, it's just a dream to drive. It's easy. You're sitting out front. You can see the wheels moving. It's got great visibility. It's not hot inside. Yeah. The Fab car is brutally hot, hard to drive. It should have power steering, and it doesn't. And that's the endurance car. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But back then, everybody that raced those cars, were they were they were freaking crazy. Yeah. They went out there for an hour and a half, and... <laughs> That's a great story. Well, Dave, I uh, really appreciate your uh, joining us today. Uh, great to great to see you uh, out here and, and uh, enjoy the track this afternoon. It's great to be here. Well, you also uh, you must know that uh, Dave is a uh, resident almost of uh, M1 Concourse because his shop is right across the street. And, of course, he's the garage over here at Sunday. Well, Dave, it's great to have you.
Visit Central Park Deli today and receive 10% off any purchase when ordering from our mobile app and enter promo code 910AM. Our new menu items include gluten-free wraps, spinach wraps, fried spicy buffalo cauliflower, and sweet potato maple cheesecake. Don't forget about our always delicious side Ginsburg corned beef, our fresh hand-patty charbroiled 100% premium beef burgers, and our homemade teriyaki stir-fries. Central Park Deli has curbside service available and DoorDash delivery. Come visit us today. The IRS finally caught up with Louie. I hadn't paid my taxes in eight years. I owed the IRS a lot of money. Louie was in deep trouble. We're going to take your house, put a lien on your bank account, uh, garnish your pay. They don't care. They're going to take your paycheck. Louie found out about Optima Tax Relief, the leading tax resolution firm. A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, they've resolved over $1 billion for their clients. Optima Tax, they helped me. They calmed me down. They made me feel comfortable, and I trust them. Louie has a lot to be thankful for. I don't owe the IRS anymore, and I'm able to live a comfortable life, a better life. It was because of Optimal Tax. For tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Take it from Louie. If you owe the IRS, don't go it alone. Give Optimal Tax a call. They can help you. Call 800-928-0199. 800-928-0199. Optima Tax Relief. Testimonial from an actual client. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. My38 is offering a great special that cannot be refused. Are you looking for a great deal on TV advertising? Are you searching for an avenue to get your business name out to the public? With My38, we are offering a great special with 100 commercial ads for a great price. This offers for a 30-day ad placement. Please contact Mike Z for more information at 248-357-4566. 248-357-4566. Or email at M-I-K-E-Z at the wordnetwork.org. This excludes political ads. Did you know most vitamin supplements don't even come from food? Even the products with colorful fruits and vegetables adorning the labels are seldom derived from produce. Typically, supplements are synthetic, made in a laboratory. Modern science may synthetically imitate these chemicals, but your body isn't fooled. It knows the difference, and it craves quality materials to build, repair, and fight illness. You need to consume fruits and vegetables daily in a variety of colors, as well as whole grains and other fresh food. That's why I formulated Balance of Nature. I wanted to be able to give my patients a natural alternative to the cheap, unnatural chemistry by giving them real fruits and vegetables. In fact, the only ingredients inside a Balance of Nature are whole fruits and vegetables. Don't settle for imitation nutrition. Reach for the good stuff, the real stuff. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com to get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code RADIO5. Wow. Two of them. Yeah. All right, welcome back into Car Radio. You're on 910 AM, the Superstation. We are live today at the American Speed Festival, second annual at uh, M1 Concourse. We're joined by Tim uh, McGrain, who's the CEO of M1 Concourse. And we also got Fred Solera. Solera? Uh, Solero. Calero. Calero, okay. Yeah, uh, uh, glad we got that right, Calero. Uh, who is uh, 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 racing his uh, heavily modified uh, Ford GT out here. Uh, great to have you both on. Uh, Tim, 
uh, uh, great to have this uh, uh, event out here for a second year. How are things going? They're going really well. First of all, in the event business, especially in the outdoor event business, you know, you, you, Mother Nature's been on our weather side. Weather, weather has been glorious, so that that makes it really good uh, for the spectators, for the participants, uh, for the cars. You know the old saying: an overheated car is an overheated owner. So, in, <laughs> uh, no, it's be, it's been going very well. Well, we, you, you know, you you and I talked uh, last year after the uh, the first American Speed Festival, and I said. Tim, how do you top Jim Hall's chaparrales? That's uh, that's a tough act to follow. You've done, done a pretty good job here this year with the uh, Carol Shelby's cars. We, we have. First of all, we were extremely fortunate. We announced this year's theme of, of uh, the Shelby celebration at the event last year, and I immediately reached out to uh, Peter Brock, who, who I've known and done some stuff over the years, um, hoping his calendar was going to be available because um, he's extremely busy and and uh, Gail Brock got back to me and said, yes. I said, don't pencil it in, put it in ink. Uh, so that really was the halo effect that we had, because I think in the world of Shelby, other than, you know, Carol himself, probably no more a more important person for the history of the Shelby brand than Peter Brock. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have him uh, out here. He's going to be joining us uh, at the end of the uh, at the end of the program. Uh, uh, Fred Calero, uh, um is this, were you out here last year as yeah, well, or is this yeah. your first year? No, I was here last year. Yeah? Yeah, it was uh, it was amazing. Last year and today, this is even better. Yeah. It was hard to think that it was possible to improve it, but these guys are doing an amazing job. Yeah, yeah, it really is. A, it's a special place. I mean, I, I, I grew up uh, uh, on racetracks. Uh, my father was one of the founders of SVRA, which is the... Uh, premier vintage racing and it's uh, yeah i just i i I love that that people are embrace the history and you have events like this so everybody can come out and see different generations of cars and the the car you have out here is is a pretty historic car the ford gt you're doing some interesting uh work with it talk about it a little bit yeah so i'm i'm part of this uh ford gt forum where a bunch of guys were talking about these chassis that Ford Performance head in the warehouse in Allen Park. Been in storage since 2005, and a bunch of us purchased some chassis and said, what do you do with an authentic Ford GT chassis? And we said, well, let's build race cars. So a bunch of us at M1 got together and started building cars on our own, but kind of grouping our efforts together. And one of my buddies that was doing it said, you know, if you're going to build one, you're going to do all the hard work. Why don't you go see if you can purchase the rest of the chassis from Ford Performance? And so I was crazy enough to listen to him, and so we purchased 30 brand-new chassis. So the goal is to develop the first one and then build 30 more. Yeah. Uh, Fred, you have uh, right right now you have uh, a couple under construction as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and the one thing about the car that I think stands out is the bodywork. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, all carbon fiber, all raw carbon fiber, which just stands out. And if anybody ever puts any livery on that bigger than a, a number, they're crazy. <laughs> Fred, this is, this is the first time you've had the car out uh, yes. here. You're, you're kind of shaking it down this yeah, weekend. Absolutely. You know... Sometimes events like these is a good reason to set a goal. And months ago, we said, let's sign up for ASF. 
and we will sign up the car and we were far from being track ready but with a lot of hard work and team effort we were able to actually get it on the track now several couple days in a row and and we'll be shaking it down here you know i'm building the car right here at m1 yeah i have a couple garages and i'm here every day and it's a it's a passion but it's also become a business yeah Yeah. that's very interesting that that fred has that passion here at m1 and that just shows the diversity of these uh garages at this wonderful facility and uh tim tell us uh about the m1 facility at this point are there any plans to develop the facility any further than uh, where it is right now there are First of all, from the private garage point of view, uh, those are all that we're going to build, all the ones we're going to build, and, and they're all being sold. So they're all in the, owns of, in the hands of uh, you know, private members such as Fred. Uh, we just announced uh, earlier this week um, a partnership with uh, Prefix uh, for our new service center. So we're going to build a 3,000-square-foot service center. Prefix is going to be the official operator. Uh, we will have an official fuel partner. That will be announced very soon. And the intention of the service center is to support uh, the on-track activities that the, the garage owners have, our motorsports club members have, and then the events that are held here, whether it's uh, this particular event, our Woodward Dream Show, when Roadkill Knights come here, or a number of the other companies that, that rent the track. Yeah, and it's a testimony to uh, people are really, really out here and using the facility that you're bringing in prefix to work on cars. That's exactly it. Um, you know, the the intention is we, this needs to be busy every day. You know, um, you know, for Fred, it's a passion. Always turn his passion for business. For us, it's a business. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we got to make sure that the brand new event center where we are now is not something brand new. It's a sort of a year old, and the track wherever Mother Nature will allow that we've got uh, somebody using it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tim, I, I, I always love to talk to you uh, about your original passion in racing. You grew up near Brands Hatch uh, in England. Uh, there's nobody more passionate about race cars than the English. Uh, what do the English think about the, uh, the Ford GT? What do they think about uh, these Americans coming over to Europe and winning them all? Well, you know, I think from that point of view, we, we somewhat consider it, the, it a, almost a British car. Right. You know, Ford right. Advanced vehicles were based in Slough. You know, and at the time you had, you know, three entities that were doing the GT40 program. You had, you know, Carroll with his division. You had John Wyatt with his division. And the Holman and Moody with their division. Um, you know, because uh, the, the Deuce wanted, you know, he liked competition. Yeah. So, um, so in that situation, um, you know, after Ford, you know, was successful, you know, with theirs, and, and, and they sort of walked away, John Wire showed that you can take an, an older car and then still go back and win, you know, two years in a row with the same car. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a remarkable history. I mean, uh, Fred, have you admired the GT going back the G, to the GT40 days in the 60s? What, what, what really got you passionate about this particular car? Well, it's interesting you say that because the livery of the current full carbon fiber car is number two uh, for uh, heritage uh, yes. so it's the Bruce McLaren yeah. 66 winner Yeah. and to to your point they didn't want to put any paint on the car so a little gray stripe with a small number two is just enough to keep it as is so to, your, to answer your question you know I was um fortunate enough to be allocated a brand new Ford GT by Ford in that whole allocation process so they 
They had to pick the people that they felt would be ambassadors for their brand. And I would like to think that I am an ambassador for Ford, not only um, with the car that I'm building, but even with my new GT. I've been tra- I've, I've uh, been participating at this event two years now with the new GT as well on the track. And I enjoy that car here. A lot of owners, you know who they are. They love to have their beautiful cars, but they never see the track or even get driven. I drive mine and enjoy it. Yeah. I, I was interested. We had Bill Cazera on earlier uh, in the program. I asked him what car uh, really catches his eye here, and he said the, the, the current Ford GT. Yeah. There's a guy who yeah. owns uh, Ferrari F8s and yeah. 48s. I mean, that's yeah. yeah, it's a dynamite car. So yesterday evening we had the garage reveal event. So a number of the garage owners are extremely gracious in opening it up for, for the event guest. And um, Bill and Melissa have, have have both generations of the later model Ford GT in the Gulf Heritage editions. And and I walked through there with David Hobbs, who actually drove for John Wire in the Gulf days. Uh-huh. In fact, he came in third at Le Mans uh, in one of those. So I, I did ask, you know, David, I said, so what do you think? And, of course, with Hobbs, you know, there's always the unfiltered version. He goes, oh, these imitation cars. He said it in jest. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's a testament to... You know what they did in those days, and and I think anything finished in golf is just you know legendary. I mean those those are racing colors. Well, you can see that Aldine's uh, Shelby uh, is now in the golf yep. livery, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which really looks really very very yeah. very nice. Right? But it was uh, so we walked through another garage. Uh, you know Rick Ratcliffe. Yes. Rick's got a uh, you know his space is done exquisitely, and he's into fifties and sixties you know sports uh, racing. And he had a picture we walked through with both David and the gentleman named Roger Bailey. Um, and uh, there was a black and white picture on the wall of a mechanic. And Roger turned around and he knew exactly who the person was because he worked with him. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. So, yeah, it's a, it, it's a small world. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, uh, hang on here. We're going to take a break uh, here from our sponsors. Uh, and on the other side, we're going to uh, continue with Fred Calero and Tim McGrain. We're out here live at M1 Concourse. If you've been injured in a car, truck, or motorcycle accident, the insurance companies never want to pay. Hello. Listen, David, I'm telling you, we won't pay. No, I'm looking at the case right now, and you will pay. No, we won't. I'm absolutely positive that you will pay. No. Okay, that's it. When the insurance companies say they won't pay, I will make them pay you. Get the money you deserve at GetDavidGetPaid.com. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. We create professional materials representing your idea and submit it to companies who are looking for new ideas. We have more than 9,000 companies who've agreed to review ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We also offer services including 3D modeling and animation demonstrating your idea, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to show InventHelp client ideas to additional companies. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. 
1963. The Word Network has been broadcasting inspirational messages around the world since the year 2000. And we keep getting bigger and better and more innovative. Seen all around the world, we bring you the best teaching, impartation, singing, and inspiration. If you want original programming, we have that too. The Word Network is your exclusive source for all things inspiration. And we can be found on every device imaginable. If you want to be uplifted and inspired, you need the Word Network. Balance of Nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I had no energy for months and months and months. I had no energy, and I'm a very active person. And my husband was noticing that I was tired all the time, and I was slow at everything that I was doing. And I kept listening to the commercials. And, you know, you don't know if something's going to help you or not, but I decided this was something I was going to do. And lo and behold, in about four days to taking them, I was repotting plants. I was doing other things. My husband said to me, you seem to have more energy. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm telling you, nothing has ever made such a difference. So anyway, I'm very happy. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code RADIO5. All right, welcome back into Car Radio. You're on 910 AM, the Superstation. We are live today out at M1 Concourse. Uh, speaking of Mustang Sally, we got a few Mustangs uh, circulating the track out here uh, this afternoon. Shelby Mustangs. Uh, we're joined by Tim McGrain, Tim McGrain uh, CEO of uh, M1 Concourse, and Fred Calero, who's uh, driving his Ford GT uh, out here. And, and uh, uh, Tim, the... Um, the, uh, the 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 Shelby cars are hard to get. I mean, they're they're hard to put together for an event like that. That's that's your marquee vehicle. Uh, I know the the uh, the, the famous uh, Daytona uh, Le Mans winning cars in a museum in Las Vegas. How difficult is it to assemble these cars for an event like this? It, it was challenging in a couple of ways. First of all, to your point, there's not many of them around. You know, the original coupes. You know, there's six of them. They're all in private owners. Um, I, I knew four, th- three of the owners, and they just you know, just couldn't uh, couldn't get them to get the, the cars here, and, and the other ones were overseas. The other part of the challenge is... They're, over, they're overseas? Yes, there's, there's one in Japan and two in Europe. Wow. Yeah. The other part of it is everybody's celebrating Shelby. Mm. So, actually, this weekend... Team Shelby are doing their, their Shelby bash in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. So, you know, you've got that challenge. We were extremely fortunate to get support. Uh, there was a wonderful Cobra Museum up in the East San Francisco Bay Area in the town of Martinez, and it's called the Cobra Experience. And when I ran the Black Hawk Museum, we were very close to them. So we got both geographically, but got to have a really good relationship with them. So they've sent out four cars, or they brought four cars out. So they got a, you know, a 289, actually the very first race car that was sold new. Um, uh, they got the 427 competition car. Uh, they got one of the Dragon Snakes, the 289 drag cars that Carol built. And then one of the 289s here was actually one of three cars that were built for the Ford versus Ferrari movie. So the 98 car that Christian Bale drove, uh, uh, it is Ken Miles. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's a pretty good patchwork. Of, yeah, uh, so we, we, we were very, very fortunate to that. Um, you know, some of them came out of, uh, you know, Georgia and Florida. Um, but uh, we, so we, we're very pleased with the people that did bring their cars here. Yeah. Well, the, well, the first cars were all uh, 289s, right? Yes. Bef- and the Actually, the very first one was a 260. 260. So and CSX the, 2000. And then the, the 427 came or what, about 66? Yeah, about that time. I mean, it, it was, you know, obviously, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily for, you know, they used it in, in racing be- yeah. because obviously they were up against the Corvettes in a lot of cases. So in the SCCA championship. Yeah, I don't know if uh, uh, I, I, I doubt Carroll Shelby was the first guy to take a uh, to take a manufactured uh, car and engine and and go go you know modify it and go go racing. But he certainly popularized uh, the idea. Fred, uh, you're very much in that tradition with what you're doing uh, with uh, with your Ford GT. I mean, uh, tell tell us a little bit about. How you're you're taking a, a 2005 Ford GT and making it better? Yeah. So first, it starts with uh, making sure you have a proper uh, cage, since it's going to be used on a track. It's not a street car. Mm-hmm. But then after that, we went to Multimatic. We went to the best damping damper company that we we know of, and. Um, a year ago in England, they started developing it with our engineers to put together a proper four-way adjustable uh, dampers. And then um, we, s- we were thinking, you know, we started out building a Coyote engine, a 5.2-liter twin-turbo engine. And some people said, you know, maybe that's not exotic enough. This car deserves something a little bit more exotic. And that's where we decided we would go with a Roush Yates 40, uh, RY45. Yeah. So it's basically the NASCAR engine with an aluminum block. So I would say it's better because it's lighter, and uh, it's a it's a wonderful engine. Roush uh, competition engines here in Livonia built it for us. Yeah. Lightweight, compact. Yeah. It, it is very compact. Uh, we were able to put the turbos right next to the valve covers because the uh, the heads were so much smaller. You know, the modular engines, the new modular engines with the the valves. Uh, on top make it such a big engine and so it's it's, po- it's properly packaged but um, you know you've got an engine that in racing mode it's putting uh, naturally aspirated over 900 almost a thousand horsepower at 9,000 rpm and my lead engineer said you know we should twin turbo it <laughs> and sometimes I wonder if that Why was not? the best thing but we did it and um I think it's more of a bragging rights to, just to be able to say, when you look at all the exotic, really high-end exotic cars out there, it seems like everybody's got this horsepower war, and twin-turbo is, a, is a, certainly a good option, and that's what we've done. So we, we set the bar high. We're still working on the car. We've got a lot of work ahead of us, but you know what? It's, it's done a bunch of sessions already, and we're on our way. How high is that bar in terms of horsepower now? So I asked the guy that built the engine and my tuners, and they said, you know, under 30 pounds of boost, we could get 1,500 horsepower. Um, we, we put it on a, on a engine, on a chassis dyno a couple of weeks ago, and we were hitting over 1,000 horsepower at the wheel at 7,000 RPM, and the, the engine goes to 9,000. And the torque curve was just under 600 pounds, and as flat as can be from 3,500 to red line, I mean flat, 
Yeah, flat torque curve. I've seen that torque curve. It's a, yeah, it's an awesome, awesome thing. I want to uh, I want to uh, switch you guys out here with Mike Lashman, who's is joining us. Uh, we're just getting Mike on briefly with the vintage IndyCar, but uh, Tim McGrain, uh, Flat Fred Calero, thanks for Thank uh, for you. joining us today. Tim, great event, and uh, Fred, uh, enjoy your track time Thank this you. afternoon. Thank you, guys. Henry. Thank you. All right, we got uh, uh, Mike Lashman's going to join us uh, here quickly. He's with the vintage IndyCar. Uh, uh, registry and there's uh, as as Tom uh, McDonald and I've been talking about uh, today the, uh, <laughs> the there's, there's a fa- fantastic uh, collection of uh, in, of Indy cars uh, out here and uh, and and uh, Mike's going to uh, help explain to us a little bit uh, what we're what we're seeing. Mike, uh, you're you're the uh, head of the vintage Indy car registry, I believe. Uh, that had that uh, had a little uh, something to do with putting these indie cars uh, together. Tell tell us what we're what we're looking at here out here today. Well, right now we got a pretty good field of indie cars out there. The STP Turbine car, the Lotus 56 from 1968, the pole winner just came off. But on track right now, we've got the 1970 Olsenite Eagle, which was Dan Gurney's last ride at Indianapolis in '70, and uh, the Domino's Pizza Lola that Al Jr. drove in '87. Uh, the travel on trailer special uh, roadster of herd of beast in 1959 parnelli jones uh, old calhoun from 1963 and so forth what is that uh, uh miller engine uh, car out there what vintage is that? that is a 1932 miller b block ford so harry miller built the cars and then they built a head for the b block ford engine and they were very popular in big car racing, Indianapolis racing back in that era. It's incredible just to see we have basically the alpha and omega of Indy cars here today and, and the vintage. Yes, yeah. it just makes the hair on my arm stand up when I hear those cars fire up and see them on the wonderful track up here at uh, M1 uh, in Pontiac, Michigan. Thank you. Uh, I think we brought 15 cars up here and. We're covering about 30 year, 50 years rather of uh, IndyCar history and design from the 30s up through the late 80s. Now tell us about this uh, gray and white car that's <coughs> coming around. That's, well, uh, that belongs to a gentleman who used to work for General Motors, retired, and it's this Chevrolet exper- experimental racing vehicle. And Zora Duntov designed that car, and that was going to be his answer or Chevrolet's answer to Indianapolis. It's and an incredibly beautiful car. And it was built, but it never raced. And, uh, and it's, it's mid-engine. It's mid-engine, and that's Tony <laughs> Brisky, and that would have, we're talking 1960s, so we're talking really at the dawn of, uh, of rear-engine IndyCar racing. And the first rear-engine IndyCar was what? Well, the first successful one, the one that everyone remembers, is the Cooper Climax of Jack Brown in 61. Yeah. And uh, that car really set, set the tone and... Uh, you know, it, it, it ran fast through the corners, not so fast as, as the roadsters on the straightaway, but, you know, it would pass the roadsters in the corners, and then roadsters would blow them off on the straightaway. But uh, that started the whole trend. Now, I know at one time, Henry, you know that Porsche uh, announced a Indy program back in, I want to say, oh, 1982. Two or eighty-three. Were you familiar with that? Very familiar with it. Tell us what you remember of that. <coughs> well, Vels Parnelli Jones built the chassis. It was a VPJ six, and Ted Fields with Interscope was involved in that. 
And it was Danny Angaius was going to be the correct. driver, correct? Correct. And they built the car and built the motor, and then USEC, uh, at the request of one of the more famous IndyCar drivers, changed the boost rules, <laughs> and it kind of neutered that engine, and Porsche pulled the plug on it. Wow. Yeah, that was, very, that was a, a very brief history. It was, a, But that was a very, uh, there was a lot of interesting <coughs> publicity me. about that, Henry, back then. As a matter of fact, I set up the press conference at the Plaza Hotel in New York City to uh, show that. Yeah, that's fa- that's fascinating. Yep. And, and that's, uh, that's the only time that Porsche dabbled in uh, Indy. That's, no, well, that, that was the first time. And then the second time they were, you know, full force into it in the... Uh, 1980s without Holbert and Fosters and oh. Tail Fabi and oh I didn't realize that and they were they were successful very successful uh, Al Holbert as I recall fielded the team yes out of Warrington Pennsylvania yep. and uh, he and his father Bob had a Porsche dealership and of course Bob Holbert and uh, Al had a, a big connection to Porsche yeah well Bob I knew Bob Holbert and Al very well and unfortunately Al was killed in a uh, airplane crash. I bought several cars from out Wonderful back and in the wonderful day. people, wonderful family. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's tremendous history. You know, I, I I'm a I'm a Porsche guy. I'm, uh, I got a Porsche 906 out here today. I had no idea that Porsche was involved in Indy at one point. Yeah, we'd like to see him back in there. There were some rumors about a year, a year and a half ago that they might be the third in- engine supplier. But, no, uh, well, they're they're trying to look into more now at F1. Uh, yeah, and and uh, and IMSA. Well, Mike, uh, appreciate your uh, joining us uh, here today. Uh, thanks for the uh, the great cars. It's uh, really exciting to see these Indy Indy cars out here. Well, thanks for having us. And uh, M1 Concourse is just a world class facility, and the hospitality here is just overwhelming. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, I'm a garage owner here at M1, so uh, that speaks well for our community. And uh, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. All right, we're going to take a break here, hear from our sponsors. On the other side, we'll be talking to Peter Brock. We're uh, live here at M1 Concourse on Car Radio. Attention, if you owe money to the IRS, this is an urgent message. The IRS is cracking down by sending out heart-stopping letters, aggressively garnishing paychecks, seizing bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. They call it enforced compliance. And you better watch out, because penalties and interest on unpaid taxes compound daily, making it seem impossible to ever get out of debt. Don't let tax debt destroy your life. You need to call Optima Tax Relief, the number one tax resolution firm. They are experts in the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks that the IRS has ever offered. If you qualify, you could save thousands. Optima's resolved over $1 billion of tax debt for their clients. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-928-0199. 800-928-0199. 800-928-0199. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Now today, M Superstation has the greatest advertising deal ever with our Godfather package. 200 spots for $500, but they must air with their 30-day policy. That is only $2.50 per spot, and we will even produce the spots free. That's right, free. Call Mike Z at 248-357-4566, 248-357-4566, or email at M-I-K-E-Z at thewordnetwork.org. This excludes political ads. 
WADL gets a facelift and is now My 38 Detroit. Along with a facelift comes new programming on Mondays at 8 p.m. Catch a two-hour block of Law & Order SVU. Tuesday, Chicago Fire. Wednesday's Dateline. More Dateline and Chicago PD on Thursdays and on Fridays. You'll get more Chicago PD to start your weekend. We'll still have some of your favorite shows like Mom, Blackish, and Friends. Just adding more for you to enjoy on My 38. Attention! Do you owe back taxes, fines, and penalties to the IRS? The IRS now offers new relief options for taxpayers affected by COVID-19, but you can't go it alone. Call Tax Solutions now. Our team of former IRS agents and tax professionals can get you the best deal. We know the COVID-19 rules. Call us and never speak to the IRS again. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions now and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions now and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. The virus has caused the IRS to take extensive action to help taxpayers. So if you owe $10,000 or more, this is the best time in years to settle your tax debt. I qualified for the Fresh Start program. I paid less than I owed. Remember, the IRS will not give up until you pay. Call 800-683-9499. 800-683-9499. All right, welcome back into... Car Radio, you're on 910 AM, the Superstation, uh, wrapping up our live show up here at M1 Concourse at the second annual American Speed Festival. And uh, we're joined by Peter Brock, who is uh, going to be honored tonight um, uh, here at uh, the American Speed Festival. You're sort of the masters of ceremonies. Welcome, Peter. God, great to be here. I'll tell you, this, I'm having so much fun, so many cool cars, and so many great people in this thing that I haven't seen in a lot of years, both involved in racing and the design area. Uh, it's been a great, great day for me. Well, as as a garage owner here, Peter, uh, we're so happy to have you. Well, thank uh, you. You're uh, one of the most important people in the history of motorsports, <laughs> and we're cool. so glad to have you here at uh, M1 uh, Concourse here in Pontiac, Michigan. Uh, one of certainly the most famous cars uh, that goes along with your name is the Daytona. Tell us a little bit about how that car came to be. Well, it was an interesting thing when we started out with uh, Carroll Shelby in building the Cobras. Uh, uh, his goal originally was simply to build something that was going to be better than the Corvette. And uh, it, it turned out to be a, a really, really strong car because it was very lightweight and powerful. And where the Corvette had been sort of compromised to being in a, a street GT car, it didn't have quite the performance that the Cobra did. So uh, I have to say that uh, we, we really had the advantage with the Cobra uh, as far as a, a sports car in the United States. And we ended up winning the United States Road Racing Championship in 1963 with the car. And uh, consequently, uh, it got a lot of publicity, and we got some support from Ford Motor Company. We're still a little private team out in California, but we were moving up on it. Um, Carol, that, were, were you starting with the AC chassis in yes, those days? Yes. Yeah. Now, Carol saw the, saw the advantage that uh, AC had lost their engine supplier, 
and uh, Ford had just come out with a new lightweight V8 that was originally a 221 cubic inch engine that they designed for a pickup truck in Canada. But that engine uh, expanded to 289 cubic inches, and that's what we used for the yeah, it's really interesting at that at that time. My my father started out uh, racing AC Bristols, so oh, AC okay. AC was really well known then at the oh. time for their for their lightweighting for that uh, particular class. It was a yeah. very very successful car. Yeah, yeah, and then that uh, sort of so that was the initial inspiration for you guys. You you were, you were the first employee, I think, I of Shelby America. Employee. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. As you as you put together this racing team and ultimately designed. So when you designed the uh, uh, Shelby Daytona Coupe, which is the headline car out here. We've got uh, uh, two of the originals. No, there, we don't have any originals. There okay. are only six original cars. Yeah. Uh, three of them are still in the United States. One's in Argentina, one's in Tokyo, and one's in, in Germany. And then one belongs to the Simeon Museum here in the United States. One belongs to Rob Walton of Walmart. And uh, the uh, last one... Uh, belongs to the Miller family out in uh, Salt Lake City. So they're yeah. all still out there. Uh, they haven't changed hands lately, but the last offer, I think, for one was offered. Uh, they turned it down. Was, I think he turned down $23 million. Yeah, yeah, that's a good investment. <laughs> Little did you know. <laughs> <laughs> but as, as you develop that car, yes. uh, was that an all-new chassis, or did you no. st- you were still using AC? It had to be an absolute uh, Cobra chassis underneath, and that was the rules. Uh, it, it, it's a very interesting story because most people didn't, didn't know the background on how that car came about, but it was originally because uh, Ferrari tried to cheat the FIA in homologating his new GT car. And at that time, uh, under the rules, you had to build 100 cars to qualify as a production car to race in the production class. And he had already built uh, well over 250 uh, uh, GT cars, so it was a qualified car. So they had a, a, a rule that uh, that uh, you could make a slight body change on these cars, sort of upgrade them every year. So he tried to push that ruling into saying a completely new body, yeah. and they turned him down on it. And uh, so he was, instead of going back and arguing with the FIA, he went around with each manufacturer or each organizer of an FIA race around the world and said, I want you to call the FIA and and if you don't tell them to homologate my new body on my car, I won't bring my team to your event next year, <laughs> which would have broken everything because everybody always came to see the Ferraris. Yeah. So he really bullied the FIA into homologating special body on, on his car, and that was called the GTO Ferrari. Interesting. G, which was Gran Turismo Homologato. Yeah, we're all very familiar right. with it. Yeah. Okay. So at, at that time, there was you know like two or three cars, and they had there, there weren't a hundred. So they they were really upset with what he did. But they changed the rule. They said, okay, you can change the body on a homologated chassis. He he'd done that legally, but you can't change the body and the chassis, or you can change the chassis but not the body. So what did you guys do? So change the we, body. So we we were homologated as a production car already with the Cobra. So technically we were legal to put a new body on. 
I was the only guy at Show Me that had read the rules, and they came up and I said, "We got a wide open deal here. Let's do it." Just like Ferrari. Yeah. And uh, everybody looked at it and said, "Well, you know, that's not a very good idea because." Ford Motor Company is already doing the GT40, and, and it, it would be an antique car if we tried to do that. And so there was a big division in the company on whether we should do it or not. And I had Ken Miles on my side trying to talk Carol into doing it, and our chief engineer was telling him because he'd been over to see the new uh, Lola Mark VI, which became the, the GT40, and he was convincing Carol that we didn't. So we had this big argument going within the company, and. Uh, so there was no no financing available from Ford Motor Company because they were, of course, already working on the GT40. So Carroll talked Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company into putting up the money to do this one special car to see if the idea would work. That's a 64 car. Uh, it became not the first car in 64. We only built one car in California. And the car was so successful when we took it out on the track that he immediately decided to order five more chassis and we built so we had six cars total. Now, did you do uh, any wind tunnel testing on that car, no, or is that strictly just uh, your idea? <laughs> no, it wasn't my idea. It was developed. Uh, the I the idea for the lines was actually developed in Germany in the mid 1930s. And uh, uh, you know, you've heard about a com tail on a car. Yes. Okay. Well, the guy that invented that was actually a guy named Reinhard Klumann from Washington. That's was, a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> and, but but the, the interesting thing was he had uh, very much of a sort of a story like myself. He was a wealthy young German who wanted to be a top motorcycle racer, and he went around to the factories in Germany and tried to get some help. And, of course, you know, he was a kid walking in, and they just blew him off. And he said, no, we live, we listen to him. So he went over to England, fought an English fight, brought it back to Germany, and won the championship in 1924. <laughs> wow. So now they're impressed with this kid, you know. That's <laughs> great history. Uh, Peter, we gotta we got to leave it there. Okay. Uh, uh, wrap up our hour. Great to, uh, great to see you. Great, right. to, great to have you out here at the American Speed Festival. Look forward to seeing you tonight. Governor Whitmer knows that sometimes hardworking people just need an opportunity to get ahead. That's why she's fought to deliver policies that help improve lives in our community. She expanded child care access and invested $17 billion into our public schools. She funded tuition-free community college scholarships to help folks finish a degree or improve their skills. Governor Whitmer, keep fighting for policies that create opportunity for all of us. Paid for by Put Michigan First. My38 is offering a great special that cannot be refused. Are you looking for a great deal on TV advertising? Are you searching for an avenue to get your business name out to the public? With My38, we are offering a great special with 100 commercial ads for a great price. This offers for a 30-day ad placement. Please contact Mike Z for more information at 248-357-4566. 248-357-4566. Or email at M-I-K-E-Z at the wordnetwork.org. This excludes political ads. Did you know most vitamin supplements don't even... Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.